1: Hello, and welcome to the prep to pro NBA Draft podcast. I am one of your hosts, Max Carlin, and I'm joined, as always, by Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well today, Max. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm excited that uh, in in the new era of prep to pro we have our first guest, uh, Henry. Henry Ward, how are you doing today?
3: Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. How do do you, we should have asked this before. This is very unprofessional. How do you want to be introduced, though? Henry Ward of, of Pro Insight?
3: Uh, I mean, however you guys, I, it, Henry Ward is fine. Henry Ward, whatever you guys want to do works for me. All right.
1: that That's going to stay in there. That's going to be a fun blooper, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: every episode, every
2: episode there's one little blooper of max doing the intros and like, I, we're going to slowly, like, we're going to slowly get to a point where it becomes routine. But until then, like we got to enjoy it.
1: Ben had it all together. He w- he was asking how to introduce people, what he was plugging, uh, I'm still learning the ropes of, of doing introductions. So uh, apologies for that. But uh, today we're, we're talking about uh, latent skill. Um, so what we're trying to get at here are, when, when, when prospects, I would say demonstrate flashes of abilities or, or skills, um, but because of some limiting factor, they're not consistently uh, exhibiting that ability right now. Because like, I guess the, the general idea would be like, if, if draft analysis was merely evaluating like exactly what is happening on a basketball floor and then just saying who the best players are or what a player is currently capable of, uh, or, or not even currently capable of, but what a player currently does in like the context of their role, it would be a lot easier than it is. Um, but what we're actually left doing is trying to figure out what players are going to become and I think a lot of that is is sort of getting into what skills are kind of hidden by context or by where a player is uh, on the developmental arc. You guys have anything to add before we get into sort of specific examples?
2: I mean, not personally. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of the summary and uh, everything that comes with it. Um, let's let's get into it.
3: Cool. One uh, thing I would quickly add, just like the the one thing I've encountered i think more this year than last year with a lot of guys is like what a flat like what flashing skills quote unquote means like it's kind of max said like i think we kind of get caught up sometimes in like these very brief showings of like what a peak outcome could be if everything clicked like i think the most like recent example i have in my head is that like the kai like on ball like switched onto a guard steal into a step back three like I, like, that's, I guess, a flash, but I'm not sure it's like fair to say that Kai Jones necessarily has that like level of ball skills to be hitting step back threes all the time. So, I think in just clarifying what we mean by like flash to be like consistently shows that there is a skill there. Um, and like, as we're going to talk about, just for whatever reason, it doesn't come up consistently yet.
1: Yeah, that's an important point. It's like Isaac Okoro hit what well, like three or four step back threes last year. There, there's no limiting factor that prevents Isaac Okoro from hitting step back threes that he's otherwise capable of hitting. Like he's not really capable of it. He did it a couple times in what were essentially like a, a bunch of one-offs. Like it, it's not a, a hidden skill for him. Uh, we're going to discuss Okoro later in an area where I think he did kind of have some hidden skills uh, in high school that then that, that further skill development elsewhere allowed him to, to really showcase. But yeah, I think that's an important point that it's not, you know, it's not one-off uh flashes in, in quotes. It's something that, that's consistently there once you can adjust for other factors, I think. Uh, so so the first thing that we've got is uh areas where I think guys are held back um in displaying one skill because they're they're severely lacking in one area that kind of mitigates it. So the first one that we have is is strength because there are a few really relevant guys this year. Uh, Henry, do you want to get into a little bit of Zaire Williams's limitations with strength?
3: Sure. Uh, so as I think, you know, we've seen through Zaire's high school career, there's like an incredible level of shot making there, um, both off the dribble, off movement, as a spot up guy from NBA range, like there's clearly some, some on-ball equity there. Um, and I think this year what we've seen a lot of just through like his inefficiencies and just watching the tape it is it's pretty apparent that the reason those skills haven't translated is because he has like no real ability yet to create any sort of downhill threat um and i would even say that that expands beyond just the shot making i think he's shown that in the past he can be a very good advantage passer um and even defensively he's shown he consistently shows a very good understanding of like rotational awareness, um, where to be kind of, he gets a lot of those, you know, passing lane steals where he's playing two guys. Um, And you can see at the point of attack too, but he just can't wear any contact. Um, So there's a lot of possessions where he'll get the ball on the perimeter and take, you know, like a couple sort of not probe dribbles, but like kind of sense where he can get a guy moving. Um, And when he realizes that like the advantage isn't going to be this like wide open lane, he kind of backs off because he knows that he can't really like get into him and get into like a physical joust and win um so you see a lot of games where Stanford is like down you know eight to ten and that quickly turns into like 16 to 20 because all of a sudden he's like realizing that he's supposed to be the one making the shots and he can't do anything but shoot these like semi-contested pull-up threes because he can't create any downhill action um so that's kind of been like the spiraling effect of like why he's shooting in my opinion why he's shooting like 31% Thirty-one percent from three. It's not that you can't shoot; it's that he can't create shots because there's nothing for him to bank on other than that step back, other than like the hesitation pull. Um, and like I said to it, translate defensively because, you know, he will have these moments where he he plays a lane well, and then he's you know trying to recover on an advantage, and he has the size and like the angle reading to do it. Um, but he gets bumped, and it doesn't matter at all that he like had those initial reactions. Um, so, and also it, it it it's worth mentioning that like Zaire's really lacking in terms of strength like he's not like guys who it's like even someone like Mobley it's like oh well you know he, he'll get stronger and it'll really change things for him like Zaire really can't like take any kind of contact um which is a huge issue for him right now kind of for those reasons
2: the wait is finally over football is in full effect and the NBA is back you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. From rare deadstock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you've been looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you, so you can confidently shop knowing your pair's the real deal. For sneaker sellers out there, eBay has estimated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for more sneakers. Check out ebay.com/sneakers today.
1: Yeah, Zaire is, is really unstable and unable to maintain balance through any contact. Um, and I think that, you know, he he is certainly limited by handle, by burst limitations, but something as simple as like, he really cannot use a ball screen because you can just bump him and he, he like can't take it tight enough. He can't create an advantage with a ball screen. And like, just consider how much of a limiter that is in the, in the, you know, in the present on creating advantages, like so, so much of basketball is relying on, on using ball screens um, to just like not have that available to you because you're, you're so incapable of maintaining balance because you're so weak is, is a really significant limiter. And that, that doesn't mean that, that he's completely incapable of being a good ball screen player. He just needs to attain a certain level of of strength that's going to allow him to actually use them uh as well as you know then say say he you know he's coming off a ball screen and he's working downhill then the next level is can he take a bump and and still you know maintain his driving angle um or or, you know that these things all compound and when you when you just hit that baseline then of strength it'll enable or it could enable Uh, what would appear to be like exponential growth in all these areas. But in reality, there are skills that are kind of there that like Zaire Williams has moments where he'll he'll use a ball screen, snake it and like get to a a really nice pull up from the elbow with a a level of fluidity and shot making for a guy that size that's very rare. But he's not necessarily always capable of doing that on account of how weak he is
2: yeah and and the henry hit on it um the thing that really stands out to me that's like being really you know hindered by this lack of strength is like this playmaking like he's been a very high field player um all throughout lower levels like especially in high school when given the chance like like you said like a good plus one passer when he has you know can work from a tilted defense but you know like he like you guys both mentioned and i don't really want to beat the dead horse here but i mean his inability to you know not only create, like we talk about getting by your primary and drawing help, like not even getting us half of step to draw the help or getting downhill. And then like the lack of ability to actually like take a bump when he is gets a half a step. And like that we have, I really haven't seen, um I mean, maybe you guys have watched more but like that playmaking from him. And I think like, that's something that if it all comes together, you know, him being like this tall, like six, eight wing shooter, who I think is, clearly better than the percentages show and then that feel can also get tied back in like that's where you're looking at the appeal of Zaire Williams but until that like until the strength gets developed I think like that's going to stay hidden which is kind of a shame and that's like you know the same thing which we'll get to with Okoro is like his passing was hidden for different reasons and I think there is going to be a point in the NBA when Okoro is a plus wing passer and it's all going to come together um and I just think you know it would be huge for
3: Zaire if he could bring that back yeah Meanwhile, the uh or go ahead max no i was gonna gonna say the the one thing you can see with zaire is uh in transition a lot he's like so comfortable in the open court when there's no threat of contact throwing those like crack passes to to you know guys running lanes um guys running corner and then the other thing i was just gonna say is that uh kind of getting on a more micro level here with like the way the strength mitigates him is like, there is concern about the handle. Um, But I think you can kind of see to an extent that like part of the issue with the handle is he physically can't keep himself upright to like, or keep himself on balance to make drastic movements with the ball in his hand. It's not, it's not an issue of like him, not knowing what to do or him not having reactivity or him, like not having tangible sort of like nerves in his hands to control the ball. It's just that he can't really change his direction of his, body very quickly because there's nothing keeping it together um so seeing like long term how he with you know a stronger core better base could potentially sort of like pull out those sort of oversized dribble moves considering how tall he is um that's really exciting to think about because right now all those sort of crossovers happen so close to his body because he can't like redirect his weight very well just because his core is so weak
1: yeah sort of any shock to the system that is like his balance is going to prove disastrous and that that doesn't have to be just chasing you know off screens which he also can't do because you know if he gets bumped there he tips over um but I, i think it's 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 very relevant with yeah with something like like dribble moves that if if the you know the whole the whole way that those are successful is by selling them if you're physically incapable of selling them because you would essentially fall over, um, you know, that that's pretty harmful. Uh, I, I wanted to, to move on to, to BJ Boston, if that's okay, because his issues I think are very different in that he is not like so fundamentally limited in every aspect of the game in the way that Zaire is, but his, his specific stylistic proclivities that were successful in the past have, started to fail him uh against stronger competition and so i we got at this i think a lot in our advantage creation complexity episode but bj boston has like a strength-based finishing game where he's really reliant on initiating contact to create separation and then has craft finishes and and footwork and and all that sort of stuff to to allow him to finish but he he has this style that's highly reliant on strength that he just doesn't have at this level. So there could be significant gains in, in his ability to create advantages and create windows to finish should he attain a level of strength relative to his competition that's actually workable again.
2: Yeah, the finishing is a big thing that I definitely wanted to talk about. It's really interesting, you know. A lot of those you see it a lot in smaller guards who you know are at a disadvantage physically from a tool standpoint. Um, like some Trey Man, we're going to talk about in a little bit. But Trey Man, like I sent out a tweet the other day, Trey Man is. Has basically zero vertical pop, um, definitely lacks sh- strength and has a thinner frame, but makes up for it for, you know, these same hand, same like finishes, is really reliant, like not reliant, you know, capable as like a scoop finisher and like using creative angles um, and like which compensates for this lack of strength. Someone like Sharif Cooper, you know, again, not a ton of vertical pop, slender frame. Very crafty around the rim, know, like knows how to use different sides of the rim to protect him from shot blockers, um, all those, all that good stuff. Bj finishes like, like, like you mentioned, you know, like someone who's six six two, like two twenty five, and like that's how he goes in, and you know, throws his body around. And in high school, you know, he was able to you know take the bump off these smaller fours and weaker rim protectors but against high level competition and i think this was something you and ben really hit on in the beginning of the year as well like it was you know instantly obvious once he was playing college competition and older players that this you know probably wasn't going to hold up for the time being now is that to say and i think and i know henry i think you actually had a tweet about this too Basically, if the strength does come around, we're kind of looking at this like unique finisher in terms of his willingness to embrace contact and also have the length to enable him to do these craft extension finishes. Um, And that's something intriguing later down the line. But, you know, BJ Boston being efficient around the rim as a college player, like that really, that probably isn't going to happen.
3: I think the one thing that also separates BJ from Zaire in a way that's worthwhile is... uh, I think Zaire can sort of play like kind of what you guys have been touching on, but like, I think Zaire can play um, the same way he plays now with a little bit added core strength. Then you would see major gains where I think BJ would have to put on like a legit 40 pounds of strength for him to like really work like translate that finishing package, which is a little concerning to me. Um, But like you guys said too, like there is, I think it's also, there is a level of just shock um, in terms of, you kind of see it, you still kind of see it from time to time, whatever it is, 20 games in, um, where he, he does what he's used to doing and just ends up on one foot or on the floor. And it's like, there's just going to be a natural learning pattern there. So I think it can go both ways in that. Yes. The, the, it's more uphill given what he needs to do in the weight room. Um, but I also think there will be just a different level of pattern recognition happening for the first time, uh, kind of this year in his kind of like first few years in the NBA, I'd imagine. Um, where he's realizing that he can't just like do these crazy stride finish, you know, like hammering a guy with his shoulder and going up with his hand. Like that's not gonna happen anymore because when he tries to hammer the guy with his shoulder, he's just gonna be falling on the floor. Like there's just a general level of kind of just trial and error of like, what can I do against people who outweigh any at 25 pounds, which is 80% of the NBA? Um so I think it's interesting kind of cross comparison there between the two because the they have similar issues for similar reasons but the way they're going to have to go about fixing them are much different
1: yeah I think in the two of them you have a couple of guys who in Zaire's case I think really has has self-creation that is limited by virtue more of, of his his physical deficiencies at the moment than skill or uh mental uh deficiencies whereas with with boston it's it's self-creation slash just finishing in general um where he has he, i think he very much has has the skill craft and and to an extent like the the feel for it but doesn't have the strength to execute the style that he has always played with um and and yeah both of them will simply I, Boston may, may have to adjust more, whereas whereas Zaire, uh, I just I, I think that it should it shouldn't be thought that like he, he's a guy who's who is just simply a, a terrible self creator. the 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 way that he's that he's analyzed should be more like he has a lot of skills actually in that area. It's just that he has some pretty severe limitations as well. Uh, and it's it's more so about addressing the limitations than than enhancing the the, the skills. Um, I think we should move on to to sort of handle and live dribble coordination. Uh, the the first area that that can limit a lot, I think, is passing. And so Jake mentioned Isaac Akoro, um, and I think this was very apparent with Akoro in high school that he was capable of executing like higher level reads, seeing how the defense was rotating, not once, but then seeing the rotation behind that and uh, passing in response to that or in anticipation of that. The issue was that he was really uncoordinated as a handler and as a, as a gatherer. Um, And so like working off the dribble, it was hard for him to do that uh, to execute those passes. But then if you could get him in situations where he's like downhill and doesn't have to dribble, uh, he could even make those those passes on the move. And then I think at Auburn, you saw that Okoro had improved a ton as a handler, that he was both more comfortable with it and like more, more deceptive with it. And we saw a really good wing passer uh, at Auburn.
3: Yeah, Auburn was kind of funny because there'd be these situations where the the downhill threat he had due to his strength was kind of the that was the advantage creator just like him having the shoulders he had basically was the way that like he got treated like he could dribble. Um, and like like you said, Max, like there was some significant uh, advancements there. I don't want to like sell him short there. Uh, but I'm thinking like one place was in specific. Uh, I think it was at Kentucky where he has a ball at the top of the key. I don't remember who's in the corner on Auburn, but like Emmanuel quickly started the guy in the corner and it looks like a two, three zone because they're loaded up so strong, that like a core on the top of the key and like, doesn't he have to do anything, but he's like, Trying to figure out he like does a couple like those basic right hand dribbles, trying to figure out if he can create an advantage and realizes he can just like rise and fire and just like throws this basic like jump skip past the corner and it's like, oh well, didn't really have to do anything. Um, and that's kind of the reason I was, you know, I I liked Isaac core a lot is because he's like there, like we kind of been talking about, there's just a lot of there, a lot there mentally um and tangibly. Uh, he just kind of has to get used to it. Like, there, there, he has to see himself as someone who, like, has that responsibility, um, which I think comes pretty easily once you're empowered by a coaching staff that's telling you, you know, this is what you should be doing. And when you, you know, you have the investment of being a top five pick. Uh, I think he's showing a little bit. I haven't watched too much of him in the NBA yet. Um, but I think he's showing a little bit of it. But it, it's going to, I think, going to be begin to come out as time goes on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I also want to talk about Jalen Suggs, you know, in this lens. Um, as Someone who's been watching a lot of Gonzaga wrote about Suggs. Um, he's really interesting because he's still able to be, you know, a very effective, manipulative passer. And that's largely due so you know, we talked about him a lot in our, you know, his utilization of ball fakes and showing the ball and moving the defense, getting people to bite where they shouldn't and, then you know, taking advantage of it by throwing a skip pass. Um, across the court without even doing anything, you know, without even putting the ball on the ground and dribbling, you know, his ability to just move the defense with his eyes and showing the ball. I mean, it's pretty outlier. However, he is hindered in some instances off the bounce because of this loose handle and lack of ball security. So while I don't think it's necessarily detrimental to him as a playmaker, um, I think you're definitely, you definitely will see some, some instances in Gonzaga and probably until, you know, he makes some handle improvements in the pros where, you know, he's probably hindered whether it's throwing a live dribble, skip pass, or, you know, actually moving the defense with his handle. You know, you're probably not going to see those as often as you'd like from someone who's going to have the ball as much as him. Um, he's pretty damn good at compensating it in other areas. Like I talked about and still being an effective playmaker, but you know, that's definitely something to monitor with him.
3: One thing with Suggs too, is everything happens with all the passes happen with two hands or the right hand. Um, so you can see pretty clearly that there are times where he, um, A, gets into an advantage and doesn't feel comfortable either with his gather or with his like sort of measure between find or finish. Um, so he'll, what I mean by that is he'll get, he'll come off a screen, he'll get into a situation where it's him in the big and then help defender. um and he doesn't yet have the sort of handle tightness to like feel comfortable keeping the ball alive. He'll have to pick it up. And then the decision's kind of forced from there. Um, but I think you'll see as time goes on. And also what that means too, without being able to throw left-hand passes is he has to contort his bodies a lot of ways. So that makes the decision for him in that he can't, you know, if it's a, a strong side kick to the corner or better get a weak side kick to the corner driving, right. He can't adjust to where he can, be going to the rim and then put the ball in his left hand and get it out he has to already sort of compensate by turning his body and then then the decision is basically made for him um so i think you'll see i think pretty quickly that he'll develop that left hand which will open up a lot of more of his reads because you can tell that he sees them he just can't decide whether he has to commit to them or not um so being able to add to that sort of dexterity in terms of just having the ball in your hands and being comfortable a with a live dribble and B passing with both hands, you're going to see a lot more like, oh, that was a you know that was an impressive pass. Whereas now it's a lot of like, everything seems more deliberate because you can't execute those like diverse basic actions.
2: The wait is finally over. Football was in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. From rare deadstock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you've been looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you, so you can confidently shop knowing your pair's the real deal. For sneaker sellers out there, eBay has estimated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for more sneakers. Check out ebay.com/sneakers today.
1: And with Suggs being so anticipatory and, and manipulative, you know, the returns on having access to, to these passes on the move could be even further magnified because we, we already know we can, we can deduce from, from what he can already do that Suggs is a uniquely anticipatory player, that he really is several steps ahead of everyone else. And so then having, I think that you know the potential for these having these, more deliveries and, and more reads is there's a lot of potential to compound there and, and just enhance his, his playmaking further and further. Um, and this is, this is for a guy who even with his current limitations, we're seeing that he's a high level passer. Um, but there, you know, there's potential to be even more, um, yeah.
2: Yeah, we can Go move ahead, on dude. from him. No, I was gonna say we can move on. Uh, but okay. yeah, I completely agree with the the sentiments.
1: Yeah, the other handle related um, limitation I think is is rim pressure. Uh, so Anthony Edwards strikes me as as relevant here, where certainly a lot of Anthony Edwards issues are are just approach based and decision making based, but. He like he definitely had had real handle limitations as well. He had real limitations, I think, based on on the spacing of the college game. Um, and I think he's he's taken to NBA spacing well and has has gotten to the rim more. Uh, but if he if he had more of a a tight quarters handle, then to you know to to what extent do do the decision-making issues get mitigated? Like are, are we are we maybe you know over, over overestimating the, the amount of, of his issues and approach that, that should be attributed purely to just like nebulous approach and underestimating the fact that maybe he just doesn't have the handle to get to these places, even though he is a wildly explosive player, um, who, who, you know, is is capable of blowing by people and getting to the rim. You know, it's, I think with him, maybe a, a matter of, of like assigning the credit or blame in the right spot.
3: Well, I think it's also important to, to sort of consider that one leads to the other to a certain extent, which is kind of, it's been kind of comedic how you see that happening now in the NBA where he, uh, you can tell that he's not used to be able, like being able to get these lanes that he's seeing now. Like I'm thinking specifically about the, the kind of two big dunks he's had, like the one against the Raptors and the one against the Lakers, like both times he, they're both closeout situations and he'll step back into a three and then realize, Oh, wait a minute. There's like no one standing in front of me. And I think that's a result of him having played in situations where spacing are much worse. Like you talked about max um, to where he's used to kind of like that approach-based thinking is like, I'm not, I shouldn't be driving on closeouts because if I do, I'm going to get stripped or if I do, I'm going to take it. Like I'm going to get offensive foul or whatever it is. Um, And so now he's kind of realizing in front of our eyes pretty quickly that like In the NBA, that's not the case. Um, So in that way, I think you can sort of attribute it more to the uh, perception of kind of what's available to him just internally. Like I think he realizes now that things that he, you know, attempts he's had in the past that have gone poorly for him, he can now replicate with when they go well, um, just simply because of context. So it's been kind of funny to see like his two big highlight plays are like, obviously awesome and super fun, but they're also very good examples of him, like literally thinking on the fly, I'm um, realizing pretty ostensibly clearly in the play, like in the moment, that things are much different for him now as in terms of being a slashing threat.
1: Yeah, the dunk is it. it really, is a great example because like he he goes to take a side step three and then realizes, wait, I should just go dunk on poor Utah. Like it, that that's a great approach change for Anthony Edwards. And it's, it's a big deal. Like, I think at Georgia, that is a sidestep three for him. But, but like you said, Henry, like that lane doesn't exist for him at Georgia. And it's just, it's a more spread out game. And I think that I, I I definitely feel like I underestimated how much he could benefit from space given how uniquely explosive he is. Um, Just the fact that that people are going to have to cover more ground to rotate to him that he's going to have more space to operate with his handle. He you know, he can he can be such an overwhelming downhill threat. And I think that the the fact that he's that he's already I think upped his rim frequency in his rookie year is is really encouraging. And, and I think like strong evidence for the idea that that you do have to have to try to to isolate where these issues are coming from. And and like the blanket idea of college spacing is is bad. It, it, it like should, you know shouldn't be applied as as broadly as it is, but with someone specifically like Ant, who who seems to really take to these now much, much wider and inviting driving lanes, i uh, it seems like like the implications so far are, are pretty significant.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you brought up the dunk, Henry, because like that, you know, highly highlight play, super fun and all. But like you said, Max kind of took the words out of my mouth. Like at Georgia, that's more than likely a side step three. Um like he's oh Ant has been capable of baptizing people like that since he was a junior in high school and he just chooses not to sometimes. And while that's, you know, while well, that's attributed to the handle or the decision-making, you know, whichever one it was, it, it wasn't happening. Um, and I do really want to like reemphasize the point of him benefiting from NBA spacing more than others. Um, one of my least favorite, you know, torts in draft season is every like stop. Don't mention college spacing. You know, everyone's better at NBA spacing. And while that is true, you know, it means more to someone like Anthony Edwards, who is just an inc- like a 99th percentile explosive wing athlete who can eat up space in a second than it does for someone. I don't really know who I want to like catch astray here, but, you know, someone who's not as explosive and athletic, like it- it's going to matter much more for Ant, And, you know, we're seeing like, like you said, Henry, very quickly, you know, when he is willingness and like applies willingness and aggressiveness to get downhill, you know, with that athletic profile, it- it's been pretty effective so far.
1: I love the point that, that Henry made about, um, like, it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation with the handle and mm-hmm. the decision-making. It's like, you, you could say his, his approach or decision-making are bad, but is that necessarily the case? If, if, like, he is correct in his calculation that driving here would be bad, like, it's not going to end well for me. I don't have the handle to maneuver this driving lane. Then, you know, maybe the, the decision-making actually just stems from the handle, and and we're looking at his has his decision making as maybe like a latent skill there where it's, it's actually not bad and he's making like strong calculations here the issue is just that he doesn't have the skill capability to to do it and i think it it, it can be really hard to figure out which you know which is which and and that's what that's what makes all of this so so difficult and not yeah, no, to uh,
3: complicate any further um but just it's also difficult because there's one sort of uh the inverse of this, of course, is guys who suffer from the same spacing issues, uh, but don't care to measure them, themselves in what they do in terms of uh approaching those spacing issues. Uh, one name that comes to mind is Cole Anthony. Um, kind of what I thought a lot of discourse around Cole Anthony missed is that everyone obviously you know, rightfully got upset at how clogged lanes were in North Carolina and how much that sort of limited him as a finisher. Um, But I personally found it very frustrating that he would continuously make those decisions regardless of the continuously negative outcome. Like, that's just a bad, that's a poor reflection of a your development and b, your decision-making. He would consistently, you know, I think like, I even remember damning Jake about this, like in one of my first conversations is like, there were so many plays where Cole would just drive into these crowded keys knowing that I think in the back of his head, knowing that it was going to be crowded, he was going to have to like figure out some, you know, fancy creative athletic finish, um, which very often they, they weren't converted. Uh, And as a result, he can missed all of these passing reads all year where he could have just jump stopped, turned around and hit somebody because everyone was just, once Cole Anthony was going, everyone just watch him go. Um And I can't really speak to his NBA production yet in terms of how it looks now with NBA spacing. Um, But just, I think it is important to consider that, you know, just because a guy like Ant isn't always going in there. um, that's not necessarily, it can be a good thing too, because the inverse of that is just like really bad chain of events where someone is just like for an entire year drilling into themselves that it doesn't matter what the paint looks like when you drive, um, it's gotta be a finish. It's never gonna be a pass or it's never gonna be not even a drive. so yeah, I mean, I don't want to complicate it further, but I think it is a sort of a very multi-layered evaluation process of like, what is the issue here um, on both ends?
2: Yeah, I I also want to throw another name that's kind of victim to this chicken and the egg in terms of handle and decision-making in terms of shot selection. And I think that's Deuce McBride. You know, we've seen his inability to really leverage that and get downhill. And then it ends in him resorting to these tough pull-ups that, you know, he just uses his elevation and rises over the defense. And while, you know, the ability to nail pull-ups as a guard and hit them at a pretty high clip at which he does is very valuable, you know, being solely reliant on that. And I've, I haven't actually scouted him in a while, but I've been watching a lot of big 12 basketball live. And, you know, just anecdotally, I, it does look like he's getting to the room a little bit more as of late and, you know, getting into some floaters, um, having some scoop finishes in the half court um, just little things like that that you know wouldn't necessarily be a a huge deal for everyone else but for someone like him when you consider the pull up shooting and the defense like those are the little things that can help him move the needle but yeah I I definitely think you know he'll he catches some flack for his shot selection when in reality like to me the actual issue is you know the lack of actual ability to do anything else because of the handle that hinders
0: him in my opinion.
1: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your job's more visibility at indeed.com/match. Just go to indeed.com/match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. indeed.com/match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting.
1: McBride is is an interesting one because they're there it's a weird context right like West Virginia is a too big offense and it is a too big offense yeah. um and like there are a lot of instances where where he is taking tough pull-ups where there really is not a better option like it truly is the best option that he has um and then and, and meanwhile like when he is at the rim I do think that he is a pretty skilled and capable finisher mm-hmm. um at the same time i've definitely seen with him which i, I, I was i was going to mention briefly later but an inability for the layer to make the layer reads that he's that like yeah maybe he'll see the rotation over to him and he can drop it off but then he doesn't see the rotation after that and he's he, like that, that that skip is is not there for him like he's he he's not seeing that and so I I do think that with him, there, there are like higher level understanding issues, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of context that comes into play there as well. And I I do think that it's, it's worth asking with him to what extent are the, are the pull ups, you know, intrinsically Miles McBride and to what extent are they a product of a, of a very like specific context?
2: Yeah, he's, t- to me, he's also someone that, you know, proves the difference, and uh, Henry actually just wrote about him defensively, you know, the difference in processing with defensive rotations as a team defender, and then, you know, processing them as an offensive ball handler in terms of making plays, like, I can, we can all agree he's a pretty good team defender, pretty damn good team defender, you know, there's some clips are you pushing that? You want to push back on that, Max? No, I was
1: just going to say that his anticipation as a team defender is mind-boggling.
2: Oh yeah, I, I was like, I sorry, you we were going to say something. Um, but yeah, he's you know pretty, pretty like, as I said, I was saying pretty, I'm good as a team defender. You know, there are some wild clips in there of him, you know, being two steps ahead of the offense split incredible at splitting the difference between the two, um, as a small guard, like that defensive coverage that we talked about uh, as a six, two guard, he's probably as good as it gets. And, you know, that just doesn't really translate to the offensive end. And like he honestly makes more layered reads in help defensively than he does as the offensive ball handler, which is, you know, another weird, in our view does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Which, you know, is a really inter- another really interesting thing about uh, his evaluation as a prospect.
1: Um, sure. Yeah. So, so I guess we're, we're talking about conceptual understanding now. Um, and so uh, Henry, did you want to apply this a little bit to to Jalen Johnson?
3: Sure. So uh, basically what my thinking was is I know personally me and Jake talk about this, like all the time is the, the the very flawed, but natural comparison of Jalen Johnson to Scotty Barnes, um, and kind of how they're playing likely at their peaks, a very similar role, um, given how kind of smart, they are as passers, uh, at their size and kind of how in very different ways they can theoretically guard the same position groups as kind of bigs. Um, but also being able to kind of play, you know, above the screen coverages, uh, And also kind of providing that, that room protection. But I think what we see a lot with Jalen Johnson is that while there is like a general understanding of, of, you know, how to get to spots defensively, um, what responsibilities are, it always comes sort of a second late, uh, which leaves a lot of plays looking like he was so close to making the right play, and he just doesn't. But it happens so overwhelming, like an overwhelming amount of the time, that at a certain point, it's like, well, he doesn't really know what he should be doing there. Um, and I think this is kind of the main inhibitor in him sort of fulfilling that vision of him being the small ball five, who's you know perimeter centric ball mover on offense, and then can play it, you know on the perimeter defensively and still protect the rim. Uh, I don't think he has, he has the recovery tools, which is what makes it such an exciting idea. Like he's an unbelievable athlete, both vertically, fluid, like fluidly, laterally, um, but he does not have the requisite sort of understanding at six nine to be able to cover that ground um, effectively. So I think it leads to a lot of situations where all of his blocks in the half court are sort of obvious, like, He's directly involved in the play, whether it's because he's guarding the screener or he's guarding the ball handler, um, and then he's making this insane recovery play, which you you can see that and be like, oh, well, you know, that's a hell of a rim protector for a six nine. Uh, but then once he's off the ball, you know, he's not doing that like the the three second dance, you know, where he's got one foot in the paint, one foot out. He's not really rotating over with verticality. It's everything's kind of like a home run play with him, um, which I think kind of, you know like I said, the idea is there for obvious reasons, but I think it will kind of catch up to him and kind of ultimately inhibit his ability to actually fulfill that role.
1: Yeah, I think like the most underrated thing with the whole everyone is a small ball five thing is that you actually have to know how to play as a big man to be a small ball five. Uh, and so that means like having a feel for maneuvering and pick and roll coverages, like t- you know, having a feel for, for recovery and then yeah, doing little things like, like, uh, you know avoiding three second violations and positioning yourself so that you can so that you can help um you you actually have to know how to do these things and jalen Johnson has not done those things historically like he's he's been a, a wing creator um, and so like before he can satisfy like the, the requirements of a of, of being a small ball five well he needs experience doing it like he needs to learn how to do it uh and that that's something that, that like has to be accounted for even if he's a guy who has capability rotating and recovering that like he that he has these skills to actually be a, a, a small ball a successful small ball five he has to know how to be a big man
2: yeah no 100 and the thing i keep personally coming back to between scotty and jalen johnson is that you know scotty has experience playing his ideal role in the NBA. Jalen doesn't really have that, you know. As someone who was pretty on ball all throughout his, int- his like pre-college, whether it was at Nicolet or you know with um I'm blank. Why am I blanking on oh, Phenom um Yeah, Phenom U and the UIPL. You know, those were two creation-heavy roles that he was playing with them, and in turn, like you are, and he was on he was on the perimeter defensively a lot more. Um, So I think, you know, we're seeing these growing pains with him operating as the drop and pick and roll, playing the low man and having to tag and recover and slot over for rim protections. And while, you know, Scotty isn't really getting asked to do that at Florida state, we've seen him do it in high school with Montverde um, playing alongside Aaron Sharp as the four and even playing some small ball five. So, you know, that is something that I keep considering when comparing those two. Um, is that I think Scotty actually has the requisite experience to kind of excel initially, while with Jalen, like, I, I think it's more of a long-term project than some are wanting to actually acknowledge.
1: Yeah, the other area where I think conceptual understanding can limit physical ability would be uh, playmaking. So I think we saw this with, with Kyra Lewis last year, for sure, hyper-functional playmaker, like live dribble on the move, both hands with that super seamless uh, transition from from dribble to pass, or, or um, and and uh, like I think there are, there are a few guys who are, who are relevant with this this year. Um, Jake, do you want to get into a little bit uh, Trey Man there?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I wanted to bring up Trey Man for this. I, I just caught up with one of their games, um, had to circle back with him. And you know he's very functional as a passer. He's capable of throwing live dribble skip passes with both hands. He's creative using angles. You know some of that creativity that I mentioned as with him as a finisher, with exploiting unique angles, catching people off guard, um, taking advantage of windows. He he has that. Um, he, he's capable of that. He knows how to you know leverage his pull up gravity to you know draw defense and you know it's he's very capable off the bounce and always has been he's a very capable scorer off the bounce and in turn that allows him to be a capable playmaker off the bounce but you know where you see these limitations is that it's all reactive stuff you know if the defense moves here as as it's in turn to me throwing a pump fake I'm gonna slip this in here and I haven't really seen him You know, pump fake to the tag man and hit the opposite skip. Like he doesn't really do that. And as someone who is big on Kyra, the reason why I was, you know, willing to accept that this was him as a passer, and apparently I haven't watched that much Pelicans, but Pelicans people I follow seem to say he looks great. Apparently the passing has been good. And, you know, why I was willing to accept that with Kyra is that I trusted his ability, ability to create advantages very easily in the half court with that speed and burst. And, You know, in the few times I have watched the Pelicans, I have seen that. Uh, With Trey Mann, he also lacks the burst to always draw the defense and create it. So it's a little bit more complicated with him. And so that's somewhere like I would like for him to grow. It's it's good to see him being willing as a playmaker. And he, like I said, he is creative. He is competent. But yeah, like hindering, you definitely see the lack of like processing with these layered reads with him.
1: Yeah. I think if you, if you like are really attentive to what the passes are with, with those two guys in particular, it starts to become clear that they're, yeah, they're, they're so capable of delivering passes physically, but don't have the next level understanding. So like, I think, I think with, with man that, that translates to like a lot of really nice drop-offs they're, they're, they're really good. They're awesome passes, but they don't reflect high level conceptual understanding. So it's that that issue, he is objectively doing something good. It is a, a really good pass that he's making, but you have to understand limitation there, that like it's a really good pass that he's making on account of his ability to create advantages and his ability to execute passes uh, seamlessly. It's not on account of him being, uh, you know, having a high level conceptual understanding. The thing is then, if you can add that high level conceptual understanding to that functionality and to that ability to create those windows in the first place, then you have someone who can really, really drive team offense at a high level.